A brand new report released Monday by the Senate is shedding new light on Russia's interference in the 2016 election. The plot to divide Americans and help then-candidate Donald Trump was bigger than anyone thought. And with 2020 just around the corner, it's a plot that continues today. This is TikTok. I'm David Myers. Joining me today from Washington is Bloomberg's Ben Brody. Thanks for joining us, Ben. Well, thanks for having me. So what are the findings released Monday from the Senate Intelligence Committee report? Uh, yeah, so this is uh, two reports that were prepared uh, uh, for that panel, and uh, they basically detailed the depth and sophistication of the Russian election uh, interference uh, online. We knew that they had been uh, doing this work on, on Facebook and on Twitter uh, to try and get Donald Trump elected, uh, but now we see all the platforms that they were doing it, uh, all the many posts, all the many techniques, uh, and it's pretty staggering just how broad it was. So let's talk about some of those techniques. Who were the Russians targeting and how were they targeting them? Right. So there are sort of uh, three main buckets, uh, according to, to these reports, which uh, I should say were, were prepared independently. So, you know, we can we can kind of look at these as, uh, as relatively authentic. So uh, there was uh, a conservative bucket where they were trying to drive people uh, toward Donald Trump. This wasn't necessarily uh, mainstream, your grandfather's Republicans. Uh, a lot of time this was uh, trying to activate people around uh, anti-immigration rhetoric, uh, guns, that type of thing. Uh, there was another bucket that was sort of uh, liberals, and they were trying to stop them uh, from voting for Hillary Clinton. And then there was a bucket that was African-Americans, uh, where they were basically uh, trying to do the same thing. They were trying to uh, suppress the vote or, or to drive votes toward uh, Jill Stein and Bernie Sanders. So when they, when they are trying to suppress the votes, how are they doing that? What was the techniques? What was the strategy that, uh, that, that right. was being used? Yeah, yeah. So one of them was to just uh, uh, sort of target African-Americans and say, uh, Hillary Clinton doesn't care about you. You know, she's not going to be there uh, when you vote. When she gets into office, she's really not going to be there. Or your vote doesn't count. Uh, you know, it's, it's really a corrupt system. They're really the same. Uh, so that was, I think, a, a lot of the targeting. There was also a relatively prominent account that uh, sort of focused on Hillary Clinton and, and portrayed her as a, as a bad feminist and trying to sort of uh, get liberal women especially uh, to stay home on election day. So was this aimed to get people to not vote for Hillary Clinton, vote for Donald Trump? I mean, like, what was the end game? Was it to, for Donald Trump to win or was it just so Hillary Clinton wouldn't win? Yeah, there actually uh, was an active uh, preference uh, for Donald Trump. It wasn't just that they didn't like Hillary Clinton, although they certainly didn't like Hillary Clinton. But there was sort of a set of secondary goals where they wanted to divide Americans, getting them uh, confronting one another. And they wanted uh, Americans not to trust uh, the media or the FBI, some of these institutions that have sort of seen uh, Americans not trusting them so much anymore. So they wanted to make sure uh, that Americans weren't, weren't doing that. So when you say they, Ben, who is that? Who wanted Donald Trump to be the next president of the United States? Uh, this is this is the Russian government to the very highest levels. This is Vladimir Putin. Uh, the organization was known as the Internet Research Agency. It is a uh, Russian government organization, but this is uh, the Russian government uh, first, last, and always. And so I think we've known for the past two years that Russia meddled in the 2016 elections. So what does this report tell us that's new compared to what we already knew? 
Uh, right. No, that's a great question. Uh, I think one of the things that's really important here is to say, you know, it wasn't just uh, a series of ads bought in rubles and a, a spend of, you know, $100,000. This was millions of Twitter posts. It reached probably millions of Americans, and it, it went across not just Facebook and Twitter, uh, but it went to YouTube, uh, it went to Gmail, it went to Medium, uh, it went to Reddit, it went to Instagram, it went to Pokemon Go. I mean, it was really wow. all over the place. So it was a much more widespread campaign than previously thought. Uh, that's correct, and and it, it probably touched millions of Americans across the uh, two years of the election. Did it ever go from an online plot that ended up finding itself in the real world? Uh, yeah, it actually did. So there were, uh, especially on uh, the posts aimed at African Americans, uh, there was sort of an attempt to build affinity before they inserted some of the political content to attract followers and to build community, to uh, push out the out-group and to bring in the in-group. And one of the ways they did that uh, was to push uh, merchandising or to push uh, businesses in the real world, small black-owned businesses, you know, like you get on Instagram. Uh, you know, here's your discount code. Mention this group. Uh, it's pretty amazing. Uh, they they tried to mobilize what, what the reports call American assets uh, in other ways. They tried to recruit people uh, to work events, to drive other people uh, to protest. To, they tried to reach out to pastors. Uh, and frankly, they tried to reach out to people who uh, the report says were sort of in compromising positions. They don't go into a lot of detail about that, but they suggest it might be, for instance, sexual and, and, and basically trying to get leverage over them. Ben, what other tactics were used during the 2016 campaign that were meant to aid Donald Trump? Right. So uh, in addition to trying to get Donald Trump elected, they remember it was a very, very large Republican presidential field. So they were trying to get rid of uh, Marco Rubio, uh, Jeb Bush, Ted Cruz. Uh, they were also pushing uh, conspiracy theories. That's part of what I was talking about, about trying to get Americans to uh, trust their institutions mm. less. Uh, so that, that range of techniques, uh, they really uh, moved across all of those things. And they did this, as I say, not just on Facebook or Twitter, but they would use uh, these platforms together. So they would refer to someone to on Facebook to a tweeted news story. And by doing this, they created these uh, networks that made it seem like uh, these were sort of broad communities of people reflecting uh, legitimate and widespread and well-supported viewpoints. Did the plot stop then after 2016 to support then-candidate Donald Trump? No, uh, that's actually one of the most fascinating things about this. In many ways, it actually accelerated. Uh, this is where you see a lot of the engagement on Instagram, particularly. Uh, the Russians, uh, one of the things they were trying to do uh, was to push back on the notion that they had meddled in the election. And so you get uh, these posts that are purportedly by Americans, but, by, uh, but are by Russian government agents uh, laughing at the notion of Russian interference or, or pushing back on the media or pushing back on uh, then-FBI director uh, uh, James Comey, the point uh, that they're trying to get across is that this is all laughable and that these people that you've been following for all this time, uh, they think it's laughable, too. So you, you shouldn't uh, fall for it. So this entire plot took place, obviously, online, on social media. Um, how have companies like Facebook and Twitter, how have they reacted to today's report? Uh, to today's report, uh, they've basically said that uh, that was what was sort of going on in 2016, but in the last couple of years, uh, they've doubled down on a lot of efforts to uh, detect uh, foreign government interference, to detect bot interference. Uh, they've uh, made moves toward election transparency. So they're sort of saying, 
yeah, we screwed up then. We, we didn't see it. We didn't stop it. But uh, we've made a lot of moves since then, and we're trying to prepare uh, for 2020. That's sort of what they're pointing to. One of the things I said I think is uh, important to point to here, though, is that the researchers were not particularly happy uh, with the companies. They said uh, YouTube, that is that is Google, uh, Alphabet, uh, in particular, didn't uh, provide the data sets in uh, a machine-readable format. So it was, it was difficult uh, to research it. Uh, they said that they wanted to see more about uh, Facebook comments to see uh, how everyday Americans actually reacted to this information. Did they, did they believe it wholeheartedly, or were they pushing back on it? And so there was uh, some suggestion that the companies had not only uh, not provided enough information, but had sort of uh, downplayed uh, their role that Facebook, especially which owns Instagram, mm-hmm. uh, hadn't, uh, hadn't talked enough about that. Yeah, because Instagram has always thought to have been, from the 2016 election, not part of that meddling uh, interference process. But this report shows that Instagram was actually a, a, a major player. Uh, exactly. It actually got more engagement uh, than Facebook did. This was this was a bit of a surprise. Uh, part of that is that it was part of that after-the-election uh, campaign that I was talking about. But part of it is just that, uh, as the researchers would have it, Facebook essentially downplayed this. They didn't uh, talk about Instagram in, in congressional uh, testimony or in, or in their blog posts about what they had found, uh, and that uh, they sort of had tried to uh, keep this from the public unless they were asked about it directly. You know, and everything we know that has happened in the 2016 election and everything we now know that this is a meddling plot that continues, how prepared is the U.S. for 2020? That's the key question, and, and it's going to be really hard to know until until we all vote or in, until the day after or, or maybe a little more. I, I do think it's important that uh, uh, the national media and the, the national consciousness has sort of been focused on this. We're a little bit more uh, alert to it now, and the companies uh, certainly have taken a, a lot of steps, hired a lot of people and spent a lot of money uh, to push back on these efforts. But at the end of the day, they always say cybersecurity is never done. You know, your, your enemies are going to advance, and then you're going to advance and it goes it goes back and forth like that pretty much forever and the question is are we going to be one step ahead or are the russians in 2020 ben thank you so much for joining us thanks for having me make sure to follow ben on twitter he's at ben brody dc that's a tiktok for today thanks for listening and please head on over to itunes and let us know what you think i'm david myers you can follow me on twitter at david myers and you can get all your updates 24 7 at tiktok